Hey, welcome once again. This is Elle at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to reform. Access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove, you can find both. Come on down, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. It's Monday, and uh, this wacky world is wacky as ever. Interesting article in the paper this morning. The People's Cleric. Abdulaziz al-Hakim, who is the Shia Muslim majority leader in the Iraqi parliament, and probably the one person who can quell some of the violent anger and outbursts that have been going on that could conceivably lead into a all-out civil war in Iraq. And, and I think that you know, the possibility of all-out civil war in Iraq is not remote at all, but quite likely, actually. Um, anyway, since the bombing of the gold-domed mosque in uh, Samarara, people have been really pissed off. People have been very angry, and you, know, you can't blame them. I mean, this shrine dates back at least a thousand years. It's gorgeous. I mean, really, at least it was, um, a beautiful, beautiful structure. Now, I think you all know that I don't personally believe in hanging on to ideology and nonsensical crap that was useful 2,000 years ago, but beautiful architectural and historical monuments are more a matter of aesthetic, artistic, creative, public expression than, to me in any case, than they are um, examples of any kind of religious thing. Um, I honestly think that most religions, in fact, I don't even think I can think of one that doesn't... Um, strictly forbid the the making a likeness of either the prophet or the god or the whatever. And so some of these shrines become these places of, not of worship, but that are worshipped. And it's really kind of weird because when they're destroyed, it's as if people respond in a way that they feel like their, quote, god has been destroyed. But the god doesn't even live there. You know what I mean? It, it's just such a silly concept, but, um, you know, obviously it was a beautiful, beautiful place. It's a terrible thing to destroy buildings, um, particularly buildings that have been standing for thousands of years, a thousand years, some place where people find comfort and solace and other things like that. And, um, and it was very disturbing to actually have seen that, you know, that's one of those things that you can't, you can't put it back, you know? You just lose a lot in the translation. The shrine contains the tombs of the 10th and 11th imams of the Shia Islam who died in the 9th century. And it's one of the four main pilgrimage sites of the Shia. It's, it's a very holy place. And um, to those who believe in that, it's a terribly upsetting thing. This rivalry that's been going on between the Sunni and the Shia have been going on for, well, since 661. 
quite a long time. Apparently, the gentleman, Abdulaziz al-Hakim, who I was talking about in the very beginning here, is the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson, whatever, in direct lineage from the guy who was the Imam Ali, the Prophet Muhammad's son-in-law, who was the founding figure of the Shiism. So he has like this incredible credential thing behind him. Um, I'm not sure that that makes a person particularly holy or anything, but lots of other people seem to think it does. So that being said, you got to kind of go with it and, and understand that the man wields a tremendous amount of power. It's been reported that he controls a militia of up to 20,000 fighters who have infiltrated the Iraqi security forces. Now, my first and most basic question, of course, is what does a cleric need with 20,000 militia? That doesn't sound to me like a cleric at all. It sounds more like a sectarian military leader. Because holy people don't generally get into the business of fighting wars. And the only reason that one would need a militia, I think, is if you're planning on fighting with somebody. But back to the whole lineage thing. Apparently, one of the main tenets of the Shia sect is this concept of martyrdom. Because these two imams that were buried in this, in the shrine were battlefield deaths, they were made martyrs. And so martyrdom became a really important tenet of this particular sect. This is the legacy, and this is his personal family legacy. So the militia in that regard, I guess, makes some kind of sense, but really... I mean, holy people don't walk around with armies usually. So here's a guy who's a holy man who also is a warrior. And the whole concept of politics and religion and governance and all the stuff that I talk about is, you know, here is this, this perfect example of why religion and governance need to be separated and why countries worldwide need to adopt some universal human rights type of law because this is ridiculous this is this sectarian bickering sibling rivalry that's been going on since the seventh century that may or may not ever come to any kind of rational conclusion the way that they're going they will end up in a civil war and they will fight with each other until one side kills most of the other side and then the fighting will stop. Fortunately for the Shias, they are the majority. Even though they did not wield the power in Iraq and they were viciously repressed by the Sunni minority, since sometime in the 1500s, 
they are the majority, and they are probably, they are about 60% of the Iraqi population. So the whole thing's very, very weird and very wiggly. And, and I think that this cleric doesn't, it, it doesn't ring true to me that a cleric would call for, for, for violence. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. So I can't say that I honestly believe that the guy is, is truly on the up and up in his being holy thing because that is just not how you go about behaving when you're a role model and a leader and you're supposed to provide people with some kind of grounding and some kind of a of a uh, moral code and things like that. You don't go around calling for violence and war and, and civil unrest. It just, it's just not nice. So I, I, I challenge this guy to, to actually lay down his sectarian nonsense and, and be serious about peace. And the way to be serious about peace here in this country, in Iraq and, and around the world is to let go of your sectarian nonsense. You want to be whatever sect you want to be, be that. But don't push it upon others. Be whatever you want to be within your own center. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's what everybody should be doing and should be free to do. You don't need big fancy buildings. You don't need old dusty books. You don't need any of this nonsense. But if you think you do and you feel like you need it, fine. But certainly don't have wars about it. Goodness. Goodness. So as I'm, I'm researching this civil war in Iraq, and I'm thinking about how, you know, it's February now, and we're looking at close to 2,500 dead American soldiers, 1,500 or so seriously injured, too numerous to even count the Iraqi casualties, too numerous to even count the Afghani casualties, too numerous to even count all the people whose just minds are completely messed up from what's going on and what they've seen and witnessed and, and survived. When does it end? Where does it end? I asked my buddy here, Rocky Rocket. He keeps me company, and uh, he's my office company, an assistant podcast author. Say hi, Rocky. <coughs> anyway, you know what he thinks? The same thing I think. Get over your bad selves. So that's what we think. Come on down and let me know what you think. I'd really love to know. Till tomorrow, this is Ellen Iron Dove, signing out.